Hi, and welcome to the Ward and Katie Wilsey podcast. I'm Ward Wilsey, and I'm the CFO of HHS, headquartered in the Austin, Texas area. I'm also a former private bank wealth advisor and practicing attorney. And I'm Katie Wilsey, a licensed Texas real estate agent. We live in the Lake Travis area right outside of Austin with our four kids, two dogs, and one cat. We've been through it all with money, broken in debt to debt-free and wealthy. We're continuing to build our wealth and live happier lives. We're here to talk to you about your money, how to earn more, save more, and invest more. We'll talk about the mistakes we've made and how we've learned from them. We'll give you advice on how you can get control of your financial lives, get out of debt, and be on your way to financial success. So buckle up and get ready to take notes because here comes another episode of The The Ward and and Katie Katie Wilsey Podcast. That was a lot better than the first one we did. All right. Welcome to the Ward and Katie Wilsey podcast. Katie, how are you doing this evening? I'm good. I'm in a great mood. It's Sunday. Just been a good weekend. Yellowstone finale tonight. Yellowstone finale. That, that season went by really quick. For sure. We waited. We were waiting all quarantine for that season to And it start. came and it's almost, almost gone. Gosh. Until next year. No. It's, it's interesting how that is. Yeah. The... But I'm kind of excited about a new show that I think started last night, or I discovered it yesterday. We haven't watched it yet, but it's on HGTV. I feel like, am I here? Are you do hear an echo with me at all? No? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and it's one of their home building, whatever shows. And this one in particular is about making your vacation rentals stand out from others. Okay. So we'll try it. We've there's been one on Netflix that we kind of watched and meh. It's just alright. Yeah, but this one maybe is going to be a little bit better. I don't know. We'll try it. Um, the shows are usually fun. They, it's funny like those shows like they they all started with flipping right, flipping houses and then like Chip and Joanne and all that. And it all it, it would make you think that every one of those transactions is just down to the wire, like huge gigantic problems. And those obviously are there, but. <laughs> Definitely over dramatized for uh, for for, the for ratings rating on in the TV audience. Yeah, yeah, but I, I feel I definitely feel a tug towards the whole short term rental market. I know we've flip flopped on this just in this podcast, so just in the time that you guys yeah, have known but, us, we've gone back and forth. But, but but we we are gonna gonna do it just when the time is right. Yeah, and maybe we we even flirt in looking at one in like Wimberley or. New Braunfels or something, here. something that we can like access to, and then we don't need a, a whole company to eat into half of our profits, you know? Because yeah. that's part of. I mean, it's definitely a high margin of payouts. But anyways, we're not here to talk about. What are we here to talk about? VRBOs today. I don't know. We can talk a little bit about. There's just been a lot of recent data coming out about the Austin market. I think there's some other stuff you What's want to Austin talk about. Market like? It's crazy. Like, it's high, right? Like, um, we have very low inventory, I think, as a whole. Now, there could be little pocket neighborhoods. Um, but I, I, I kind of, based on just, we live in one of those pocket neighborhoods that always goes slower, and now we have no inventory. I so, think, I heard, I heard though, that, like, the, the Austin downtown market, which was really hot forever. We did. We heard that last night, that it's not, and I don't know that to be true yet, just because I, a lot of times when I, when I'm reading my uh, data on Austin, most of the data data is downtown. Right. I have to then like 
search for round rock or fluger, but like I have to then go out. So we have less than one month of inventory. That's insane. So if you don't know how that translates, four months is a normal market. Right. Uh, longer than four months, you're getting into a slower market. Shorter than four months, you're in a hot market. I mean, we're less than one month of inventory. Now, that's a hot, hot market. That's a hot, hot market. Is it? Is it because we all froze for two months and now there's... Uh, yeah, like so much... I, I don't know. It's definitely a seller's market. I mean, I haven't... Well, I did. I my on last Saturday, I wrote three contracts, and one of the one of them was a listing, and we received two contracts on that day. Yeah. So, I mean, I think I think what's happening is like that people try and fit stuff into a grand narrative, and one of them, like around the country, I see this. Don't forget about Austin is that people are moving out of the cities and into like at least suburbs or like even more rural areas because they can. They can yes, like as a whole, I think you're correct, but I think anywhere in Austin is hot right now. People, it's like trendy to move to Austin. Well, that's and that's that's where I was going with that. Is like in New York City and in San Francisco, those are two great examples. Like even though they're really really expensive, so they still seem real real expensive. They've gone down like crazy in the last in the last few months. Even San Francisco, San Jose, like. While they're still ridiculously priced, the numbers are, it's turning into a buyer's market. Whereas like Austin, the thing is, is I'm sure some of that's happening because people are not wanting to live downtown, but for everybody who is living downtown and wants to get out of downtown, there's five people from out of the state who are looking to move in. Right. And we were, we were in a major growth before the virus and, it's just and we still of, are. Like, yeah. I think we all kind of held our breath wondering, like, are some people going to pull out? Are some things going to change? And no, like the industry, the tech industry has pivoted beautifully, I think, to Corona and working from home. And no one seems to be having a problem. Tesla didn't bat an eye. Amazon's building a massive... Well, they also, like, the tech industry... Is benefiting. So, right, because so much of it is out... In, well, they're benefiting at the macro level in the yeah. economy, but also so much of that tech industry was in California, and for them, they're like, well, California's so restrictive. If we were going to move, now's the time to do it. And right. so many of their workers can move, and they're taking the opportunity to do it. So I think like there's going to be a... There's going to be a seismic shift from, you know, and, California. And honestly, all of all of the states, there's probably maybe four that we compete with as far as business friendly. We are very, our state is very Right. The, the, the lockdown, the lockdown seems weird to Texans because it's like, it, it, it is so un-Texan to like have the government step in and, and do what they did. But yes. compared to California, compared to New York, compared to... You know, Chicago, it's like nothing. So all those people are saying, yeah, like, let me get out of those cities and move. Well, the savings for them to move their entire company here, even though that is a huge expense, that's like one tax bill or that's one unemployment bill. I mean, it's like California is forcing the issue, the companies out. And everyone always says, well, you know, is California going to go under? And my, you see all those, like, I saw... There's so much money there. It's there not going is, Like, that's what people don't understand, is it's not like... Like, like Detroit is a good example, right? Detroit in the 60s with the car industry was just a booming city, and now it's like a shell of its former self. 
I don't think that'll ever happen in California. Because the other thing that happens with California is there's people who sell their business in, you know, Wichita. And now they have, you know, millions and millions of dollars. So, like, well, I'm going to buy a second home in L.A. or Rancho Santa Fe. Right. So, you have one thing that will never go away is the weather. And the, and and the, the landscape. And the landscape. Like, it just won't. And that's, I mean, I guess people argue that with me. But, I mean, you've got amazing mountain ranges. You've got incredible coastlines. Like, th- driving through Big Sur and Central California right. along the coast, like, there's just nothing like it. And then you get down into Baja. Like, I mean, it just really is. The state is a beautiful state. But it's truly a place for the ultra-rich. Like, yeah. if, if you're middle class, you're just you're, you're not... Gonna be able to buy a home, but there like, are plenty. Like I, the, I think that like if you look at the population of California, it's probably twenty five to thirty five percent are ultra rich. It's there's a ton of lower income areas all throughout oh, California. Oh, that's what I mean. It's either it's either ultra rich or like very very low income. It's tough if you're like stuck in the middle. Yeah. Like we it's were. tough to grow. Yeah, and we did really well, but we were just constantly against the grain. It's hard to it, ever have it lighten right, up. It's hard to make. It's hard to get ahead. Yeah. Um, but it, to to Austin's benefit and to Texas' benefit, at least in the in the short run until it turns until it turns into California. Yeah, and I mean, I've kind of said this since we moved here that this feels like. Unf- Fortunately and fortunately, because you can you can uh, invest and take advantage of it. But this area in particular reminds me a lot of the area in particular we moved from in the in the growth side of it all. Sure. So uh, Del Mar, Carmel Valley sure. area, like like in the and 90s. it's Del Mar, it's Westlake, Lake Travis area, like it's or neighboring areas, and um, and then Dripping Springs is Poway to me. Like I, I've kind of just created the same spot here that I had there and you see the growth and it reminds me of them 20 years ago. Right. So like, I want to say, uh, maybe we should start investing elsewhere because are we buying at the height? It's a seller's market and then, we're, we're buyers, right? Right. So that's multiple offer situation. That's overpaying for stuff. Luckily we're just disciplined enough to walk away, but you, you are seeing that right now. I mean, I just wrote an offer for a client over asking and we weren't even in a multiple offer situation, but my client is so nervous that they didn't want it to become a multiple offer situation. Right. So, um, so we're kind of creating that same situation that California had. And even we're having Californians come out here and buy cash and not need an appraisal and drive the prices up even more with that. Right. Um, so, you and I were just talking about like, gosh, should we keep putting our money in this as it's going up? Are we are we buying at the high kind of like we've talked about in stocks? And my gut is there's no I know that at any time the market could shift and we just all got a really good taste of that in February, right? What I would not do that people did in investing in California real estate. I remember this particularly like so this is like two thousand three, two thousand four, two thousand five. People would buy what they would call "quote unquote" investment properties, but their rents wouldn't even come close to covering the mortgage, and they were just basically banking on the appreciation. I would never do that; like that's just foolish. But 
like you can still get investment properties where it's still cash flowing. Just we not need to much. cash flow, but I am in the frame of mind that like I'm banking on appreciation here. Like it's not going to be the only tool, but I will put it in writing that I think that we like, and just to take a step back, what we're talking about is whenever you invest in an investment property, there's two ways that you ultimately make money. Number one, and the more obvious is, okay, they pay a rent and whatever you keep after you pay your mortgage and, you know, your cash maintenance flow. and all that, your cash flow, that's your income. And that's one part of an investment. The other part is the growth. Well, in, in like, uh, in the stock market, like if you invest in the S&P 500, you're banking on the growth because the growth over time is probably going to be like 8% and the income is going to be like 2%. Well, in real estate, it's it's different because the the growth the income rather is a different percent everywhere. Like when we go when we when we invest in our properties, the one we just bought in Arkansas, that's that's close to a ten percent income. Just the income yield on our cash is like ten percent. Right, we're not even adding an appreciation. But we're also assuming that it's not going to appreciate no. as much, maybe three percent a year. Whereas here, our you know, our income yield is probably in the five to 6% range, but you're also going to assume it's going to grow a lot more. So those are two different investment types. And I think both make a lot of sense. Well, and it's like a home run if you can hit both. Yes. Yeah. But we, we're not gonna, we also don't need the cash right now. Um, so it's, it's something where we, the, the growth oriented real estate investments still make a lot of sense for us. And I don't yeah. think it's I, I don't think it's necessarily more risky because we're still cash flowing. It's just if it did like decline in value, and all our properties have made money since we bought them. But if they did decline in value, it's not as great because we're not making as much income. But I think over time, yeah. it'll do great. But here, like I just see it as like, I mean, I just remember my brother had a condo in Solana Beach that I th- I think he bought it for three hundred. Right. And that was crazy. It was like a two-bedroom condo in Solana Beach, but it was a quarter mile from the beach and an eighth of a mile from the Del Mar racetrack, right? Yeah. So prime location, a, mi- a quarter mile from the major freeway. Um, I think he sold it for $700,000 like four years later. And that I was just, a crazy time in real estate. I and that. like, I kind of feel like that's happening here. Like, and it, it's not necessarily happening directly to my business, but I see these agents that are like, oh my gosh, I just got 36 offers. We actually, I was on a, a seminar the other day, or webinar, um, Zoom thing, and someone, the, the instructor said, what is the most multiple offers you've received on a property in this climate? Like, not in your lifetime, just right now. 49 49 offers in a weekend on a property. Now you could say two things about that. You could say, well, that shows that the market's really hot. But another thing you could say is that particular agent just underpriced it. I would say that if that was like the random one, I'm hearing it nonstop. Some agents that's, that's kind of their, that's their technique is that they get their client to list it a little low to kind of develop a bidding war. And sometimes that works, although sometimes it's risky. Totally. And, but I'm seeing it happen nonstop. So like that, because of the inventory shortage, I mean, 
every day I'm getting an email with buyer needs, buyer needs, buyer needs, buyer needs. I have multiple emails or uh, blasts out there asking for our my own buyer needs. Like, there's just not. Yeah, I put a I put a Facebook message yeah. out to a group of wholesalers looking for a deal and. Kyle Buda today. I got a few, but the builders can't build fast enough right now. Yeah. And, um, not that necessarily I want a ton of builders everywhere, but that's the way, that's the direction we're headed. Sure. And so then there's supply and demand issues on all of their products, everything. So I just got word. There's some new community popping up in like by Georgetown, Flukerville. It's going to be like a 4,000, house community yeah it just got approval and they're gonna start i mean it's just every which way you look there's yeah all over austin yeah so um yeah so if anyone asks me right now it's hot like if you want to sell your home it will sell yeah um people are still overpricing and not getting offers uh, totally there's still some stuff sitting but just our neighborhood alone we just saw I don't know, eight houses go pending in the last 10 days. Yeah. And we had like a major stalemate for a while. So, uh, it's interesting. So yeah, Austin's hot. Uh, and I would say that in some other market, I may say probably not a good time to buy, but because I think it's going to just, there's no signs telling us it's not. So I think it's still going up. Right, and if if the experience in California is any indicator, I mean, those California houses are still selling, other than what we talked about in in the Bay Area, but that's a specific limited situation. Right, right. So, so, um, so we kind of talked a little bit about. I touched on how, like, no one can foresee. Like, obviously, things could happen. You know, and we we did. We saw the stock market just tank. And so we had a whole episode about that. What are, what are your thoughts there? It's all the way back. So in February, it started tanking because of the coronavirus. Yeah. And then mid-March was the low where it lost about 33% of its value. And now it's all the way back. And even it's it's, it's a little higher than it's high in February. Crazy. It, so on one hand, yeah, you could say, well, with the economy, like what the heck's going on? But it's always important to remember that when you say the economy, that's not the same as the S&P 500. So when I, when you say the stock market, what you're really saying is the S&P 500, the five hundred largest right. companies in America. And now obviously there's other investments you should do, like mid-caps, which are smaller, small caps, right. which are smaller you than that, that, international yeah. emerging markets. Those are all great index funds to own. But just focusing on the S&P 500, this is this is what always happens in, in you know, a... a a recession it happened in 2007, 2008 too is well, 2008, 2009, the market tanks and everyone goes out of it. Everyone is worried that it's going to go down further and they're going to lose all their money. People sell and they go into cash and, and then the market starts recovering. What's different about this compared to 2008, 2009 is how fast it happened. Recovered, yeah. So 2008, and these numbers are going to be wrong, so don't quote me. I think it was like October 2008, it started going down. It didn't reach its low until like March of 2009, and then it took a couple years to get back. So that's something where it was a real prolonged you know, downturn. This one, just in a matter of months, it's already 
up and you, you could sit there and say, well, that, that that's just overblown and it's, it's going to tank again. But, but like, look at what happened. Like it's, could it tank again? I know we've talked about this it, it, with uh, elections, always, but like, always. but realistically, realistically, who knows? Like, but okay. I, but, but here's the thing and I'll get into that in a minute or I'll get into it now. Whenever people say it, yeah, it could tank at any time. People were saying that in 2009, which they had a reason to because the market was as low. They were saying it in 2010, 2011. So even after it came back, 2012, 13, 14, 15, 16, it was always the market's going to tank and it kept going up. People, no matter what, are always going to say that the market's overvalued and it's going to tank. And sometimes it does. Sometimes it's overvalued. Sometimes it's undervalued. Sometimes it's perfect. But the reality is, as long as you have a long-term investment strategy and you put your money in there and leave it and don't sell, you're going to make money over time in the stock market. It, it, you know, it's crazy. Like, as you say that, it's the same for real estate kind of, right? Like, it, it, everyone keeps saying, like, oh, at some point the bubble's going to pop. But, but, but so... And it, it will at some point. But, but here's what will happen when it pops is... It'll pop and everyone will go, see, we were right. The real estate market popped. It tanked, blah, 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 blah. And the people who sell are going to get hurt. And the people who hold on and the people who buy are going to benefit. And that's just the way it always is. Like so much would have to go wrong for you not to make money in the stock market and real estate over time. If you follow what we say, meaning buy and just hold on to it. And well, you wonder though, is it wiser for the long run to invest in stable, meaning like there's some markets that aren't booming, but they're not dying, like our Arkansas property. So that's a good point. There's, there's, there's and something then to be the same said, thing would be in stocks, right? There, yeah, there's something to be said for both. Um, and let's start with real estate first. So okay. Austin, like we're both bullish on and we're, I mean, we're looking for another Kyle Buta house right now. So if anyone has a deal, reach out. But there's something also to be said about that Arkansas place we, we just bought. It's a hundred thousand dollars and provide just under a thousand bucks a month, a 900 a month after, after everything. It's not going to appreciate like crazy, but like it's a heck of a yield. Like, you know, just, just in the, the numbers term, just work. the numbers just work and we know it's not going to appreciate, but I'm going to keep buying houses there. Cause it, like that's great cash flow, but like both things are true. And to answer your question, theoretically you'd want the 500 largest markets in the U S yeah. you'd want to be in them all. You can't really do that with real estate. The difference in the S and P 500. And again, like I'm not talking about even, you know, mid cap, small cap, international emerging markets. That's more diversification. The thing about the stock market is you're getting those stable companies when you invest in the S and P 500. Now, right now, all that growth is coming from your Amazon, your Googles, your Apples, your tech companies, because that's who's benefited the most, especially in this pandemic. I mean, look how beneficial this has been to Amazon. Um, but then you got your stable companies like your Walmarts, you got your, you know, you got your G's. Yeah. You know, those are great things. And then you got things that are in the tank right now that'll come back over time, like oil, like, you know, your or things like Clorox that are booming out of nowhere, but for a very specific reason, right? right? I don't even know who owns Clorox. It's probably Procter and Gamble, although I'm probably wrong, but it, so things go up and down 
at different times for different reasons in the stock market, but because you got the 500 largest companies in the S&P 500, you're going to get the benefit of all of them and you're going to get the burden of some of them at any time, but it all evens out over time. Real estate, it is a little different. Like, I, like for instance, if, if you're asking, hey, should I be investing in California investment properties? I say you're crazy. I mean, you're not even going to make your rents aren't going to cover your mortgage. Like if you put 25% down, the laws they have can, concerning tenants rights, especially so that would the be pandemic, the, like, are the just only scary. thing. I would I would love to find a an opportunity where we start seeing it shift to a buyer's market, but I'm just turned off by the like are you talking about California? Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm so turned off by all the laws and regulations and taxes and all that that I'm like I, we can't even deal with that. Like, yeah, I, I don't see a scenario where you're going to be able to buy an investment property and you're going to get a return. Like that just doesn't it just exist stinks, there because there are places that we love, like over by Mammoth and. Yeah, but like an investment's an investment. Like I'm not gonna sit there and say I love a place so I'm gonna invest in. I mean, like an Airbnb is is a different story. Like maybe that would make sense, but I don't a straight know, that investment would. property, I don't think it would. Yeah. So that's that's the big difference. Is like diversification is important in in any type of investing that you do. It's just a lot easier in stocks than it is in real estate. Yeah. It, it just is. So yeah, I think we'll, do do I think we'll get diverse in real estate over time? Yeah, but I mean we only have now what four four investment properties and three in Austin and and one now in Little Rock. It's going to take years before we have like significant diversification in real estate, and that's just the way it is. And and you're compensated for that. Real estate's a higher return over time, especially when you throw in the tax advantages. Right. But that is a theoretical risk. I'm I, it doesn't bother me at all. Like. You know, we're because one of the advantages of real estate is even when it goes down in value, like we're not selling. Like so, as long as our rents keep coming in, it right, we're still going to be in right. a good good Just position. Let it sit. But but yeah, I would I would like to be diversified a lot more over time. We'll work on that. <laughs> we'll work on that. Okay. So, well, what else are we wrapping it up for the night? Or um, we got let's. Uh, Let's talk about um, mortgage interest rates right now. What's interesting is mortgage rates are ultra low right now, yep. and that's part of what's driving the real estate boom. Just sure. like, just like, frankly, after two thousand after September eleventh, like when you know the Fed cut rates and mortgages started going gangbusters, meaning mortgage rates started going down, so people started buying. That's what drives a lot of these real estate prices. So it's stayed down. What's interesting though is it, you know, I, I read in the wall street journal this week that they're basically, it's all new home purchases. Like they're not even doing refis because the banks, the banks have to sit there and go oh, yeah, with what we can do, allocating right. our resources and all that. They want to, they, they don't want to take their old loans and turn them into lower interest rates. They right. want to do the new stuff. Well, and appraisers are backed up and the whole industry is being very uh, strained, I would say. They're also setting like minimum like loans you have to do. Like our our normal bank, Broadway, it's it's a hundred thousand dollar minimum mortgage. So that Memphis property we did that ended up having squatters in it. Like, Which, by the way, did you ever set up our insurance on that one? 
what the Memphis property? No, Arkansas. Uh huh. Yeah, it, it was it was done through escrow. Did you, right? Did you pick someone? Like, did you use yeah. my girl? No, the turnkey company had a oh. had an insurance broker. Okay. Interesting. They took care of everything. Which is nice, but I have a girl that does all of our insurance for all of our properties. Okay. So it's nice to be able to go to her and say, what's my insurance on any one of these properties? Right. You know, Look but at that. anyhow, you just, I don't know what just made me think of that. Sorry. <laughs> Next time. Um, but I, like, I think that's what's partly going to drive not only Austin, but kind of all over for a while is the interest rates. Now, what happens is that also starts driving price bubbles so there's going to be locations yeah, but we have a, like I'll, I'll be honest with you i know it doesn't quite outweigh it yes interest rates are super low but we have a lot of cash buyers right now yeah which is odd people are using cash when they can get ultra low interest rates you know a lot of different things going on there i mean some people just have cash a lot of people are using lines of credit Well, and there's a fear i think we just dealt with a big fear factor that everyone just got scared Right, with COVID? Right. And so it's like, okay, if we can take our mortgage off the table yeah, and buy our house with cash, you know what we I can think? move to Texas and buy our house for cash and what put I think, money in the bank. What I think part of that maybe is people who sold like their stock portfolios and, and, their, and their... Or their, just their house in California. Yeah. We know that. Yeah. So, um, so it, it's not like the Austin market is not just because of the low interest rates. No, there's a lot of cash. Um but yeah, interest is low, um, so it's creating, people are like, well, if, there, if ever there was a time, this would be a good time to do it. So to answer your question earlier, yeah, I think there is a point where interest rates are going to drive up prices to an unsustainable point, and there's going to be a correction. But again, like as long as you buy smart you're, and you don't overextend yourself, you're not going to get hurt by that. I also think, look, the Fed is... Well, and this is just the politicians too, right? With all these, the CARES Act and all these, you know, handouts and payments and this, that, and the other thing. They're printing so much money that that's going to drive asset prices up too. I mean, it it just is. And it's it's sad because it's going to be tough for, you know, 10 years from now, people who are just getting into the workforce, high schoolers now. Are going to feel the effects. Yeah, that's part of what prices people out of the market, even in California, was just the effects of printing money over time. And and that's where a lot of money money went, was the California real estate market. So that benefits us right now. But I don't think, you know, I think politically people should be demanding a little more fiscal responsibility out of their politicians and not just printing money and... they have this, there's this new monetary theory that like is just asinine that y- you can, you can have the Fed print as much money as, as they want. It won't, it no won't, repercussions. no repercussions, but th- th- just history shows, I mean, whether you're talking about Babylon, whether you're talking about, you know, Argentina, whether you're talking about Weimar Republic, Germany, if you print too much money, it leads to inflation and can even lead to hyperinflation, which just ruins a country. So it's a dangerous game that's being played right now, but it is having its effect in stock prices and especially in real estate prices. So we'll see how that lasts long term, but that's mm-hmm. that's part of what's going on too. Yeah. Well, we'll see. So uh, you want to tell them what we're doing this weekend? We won't be doing the podcast Sunday night. Why? Because we are going to Colorado, going hiking, going fly fishing, 
I'm going for work, so I'm leaving Wednesday, which I'm real excited about. Um, but uh, after a couple of cool things we're doing work-wise, Katie and I are going to hook up on... You're flying in Thursday, and then we're going to drive to Breckenridge. Yep, and we're doing... I was trying to pull up the hike. It's Colorado has 58 14,000-footers. Right. So we have hiked Mount Whitney, which is the highest... In the continental U.S. In the continental U.S., 15,000 to something and change. So we are hiking... I believe I read that this is the third easiest. So out of 58... Which is good. We're doing the 52nd hardest. Um, Quandary Peak Trail. It is... Seven and a half miles... 3,500 elevation gain, and the altitude gets us to 14.2. So I think that'll take us three hours up, two hours down, five hours. Yeah. Um, so anyhow, kind of excited about that. That'll haven't, be fun. Haven't then, done a big hike since we moved to Texas. That's Friday, and then fly fishing on Saturday, which will be fun too. Yeah, or we could get crazy and find another 14,000-footer and do that on Saturday. Let's not get crazy. Let's go fly fishing. <laughs> Let's go fly fishing. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so next Sunday we will be off. Maybe we'll try to catch up on... We can just record one on the Apple. Apple. Yeah. I'm sorry, on our cell phone. and just It won't be as high quality, but... Maybe we'll be traveling. So ours aren't high quality reason. anyway, so... I don't know. We've got a dog barking in the background the whole time. <laughs> that needs to be fed. Yeah, so, and she's sitting out there calm now, so apparently she's staring at us. So, alright, well, everyone, have a great week.